This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at Ravinia.org. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So today's guest, if you don't know her by name, you probably been knowing her by face, voice, and talent. CCH Pounder has acted in all matter of TV dramas. The X-Files, NCIS, she was Dr. Angela Hicks on ER, and Detective Claudette Wims on The Shield. It is everything in me. Not to slap you, silly. CCH Pounder is in some films, too, including both of the avatars as the spiritual leader, Moad. She has multiple Emmy nominations, and her voice with that British Guyana accent is so singular. She's won several Audio Awards, too. But fans of her acting might not know that CCH Pounder is also a renowned art collector. So much so that if she comes across your work and loves it, she might just put you on a map. Currently, some pieces from CCH Pounder's collection are installed at the DuSable Black History Museum, and everything in it is by Black artists from the African diaspora. I went to the installation, and the first painting I noticed was right there at the entrance, a painting of a woman sticking her leg out, wearing a high heel, shrouded by jungle greenery covered in thick curls of hair. CCH has a story about every piece of work that she collects. And she said this one depicted a temptress that she calls Les Jeux Bless by an artist named Firele Baez. I've seen her work before, but when I walked past this piece, it was like, ah, that's Les Jeux <laughs> And it's a childhood story, but it's wow. a scary story. Les Jeux was a creature disguised as a woman who lived in the K-pop tree. And as men would go by, she would try to seduce them by sticking out her leg. And as you can see in the beautiful high heel leg, she'd stick that out and the man would go, ooh, let's go see what's over there. And then she'd <laughs> eliminate them. And when I walked by that piece, mm. all those stories of my childhood just came like in a flash. Wow. Me sitting on the porch listening to Joyce tell these scary <laughs> stories. <laughs> yeah. I, I turned to the fella and I said, I have to have that mm. piece. Yeah, it has to come home. With Where me. was it? Where were you? Um, we were in Miami at the art fair. Okay. I was with a, another girlfriend who had no idea who Lydia Bless was. She was from England and was like, What are you talking about? I one of these old Caribbean yeah. stories that um, I remember as a kid. Mm -hmm. Now, Firelay has gone on to become a really marvelous artist who's very well known. She's in museums all over the world. And um, just my luck that I connected to that particular story. That's amazing. Yeah, what stood out to me about that piece was how subversive it was. I see this woman who has this one heeled shoe and this one very bare foot. And then she's hairy as I don't know what. 
and she's she's in the forest. You know, she's like, look, I got this shoe on, but I'm I'm also out here in these in these forests. Um, and the same, you know, with speaking of subversive is, um, you know, there's the the piece by Jeffrey Holder, which is these these men who are, you know, half nude and they're in this intimate stance um, with each other and with other people. Yeah. Can you talk about subverting norms and expectations when you think about surrounding yourself with art and, and the art that you really like to collect? I think almost every piece of art speaks to me in some geopolitical way that even I did not realize it in the beginning. Mm. That's when I bought it. I have a marvelous piece by um, Salah El Moor. He is a Sudanese artist, and it is of a naked woman standing in front of about 20 men, all dressed in black suits with a black tie, standing next to a vase of sunflowers. And their, their gaze is looking everywhere but at her. Mm. And he calls it a vase of sunflowers. And I go, wait a minute. <laughs> Something else, some hidden meaning here. Yes. yes. And, and I think coming from a very patriarchal mm. society where he lives, it's definitely um, a tristes on, look, we treat women literally like an object. And she was objectified in that painting. Mm -hmm. Um, There are things that are going on that sometimes words don't do it. Sometimes music doesn't do it, but sometimes a piece of art Mm -hmm. can do it, can force you to think in another direction. Yes. So when I think about collecting art myself, I think about what looks good. I think about the things that make me feel um, and the things that I can relate to, but I talked to the director of curatorial services at DuSabo, Danny Dunson, and he told me that it's so much more um, for you, so much more than aesthetics. Um, He told me you have a critical and historical eye. And I just want to know what is on your mind when you're looking for art? Well, first of all, what you said, what you look for, I think that's how we all start out. Mm. What looks good. You'd be great in my apartment. Yes, you know, it reminds exactly. me of something, and then that's how the first thing starts. It reminds me of my mother in the garden. Mm. You know, it reminds me of oh my god, the first time I was in school. I think this is a typical starting point. I, as a collector, I have now collected for over forty years, so I start to become critical about what I'm collecting. For instance, in the beginning, I think there was a particular artist that I liked so much, you know, I got one, I got two, I got three, I got four. And it's like, okay, stop. <laughs> and then I think one time my husband said, you know, I'm only married to one woman. Who are all these women on all the walls? <laughs> so many female portraits. Like, yeah. I think as a woman in who understands being in a woman's world, trying to straddle uh, onto a man's world, a lot of these paintings sort of expressed how I was feeling. So there's there's that. And then you collect a great deal and then you start to get critical, like, no, maybe he's right. I, I should have some male images in my uh, collection. Uh, maybe I should have some landscape images. Maybe I should understand abstract 
uh, images a bit more. And so that's how I start. And I think most other people start to develop um, that kind of eye about what else will attract you. Mm -hmm. One thing that I have to say is that I have yet to become super interested in is if I buy this painting, will it be worth this much amount of money in a few years? Ah. I'm happy that I spent the time developing my eye because over time, some of them have indeed become um, valuable pieces. So that's, uh, that's the bonus. It's not what I strive for. Yeah. Pleasant surprise. Let's talk about that, that value question. Um, just I'm thinking about it in the context of black representation um, in the fine arts and how um, we value black art in our country and the world over. Right. It's not has historically hasn't been valued. And I'm wondering how this how does this factor into how you approach collecting and showing art? Yes, because, you know, we have a an unfortunate history of not approving of the things that we do until the other approves them, which is really uh, uh, something that I pray every day that we have to grow out of it, grow out of it, because it's it's in every strata of our lives, but it also explains that how um, dastardly a situation we were, were put in, and it's going to take years to dismantle, unfortunately. So finally, we're coming around the bend where mm. we said, I want to do this for me. Mm. Dusab is a perfect example. Um, after me, they're bringing in Ruth Carter with uh, her costumes from Wakanda and um, other ships that she has done. Um, this is the the exciting part. Yes. When we finally discover our own, spread it around, because that's what makes the other people come to us. It's like, oh, how come they're so interested in that? What's going on? <laughs> You know, and so we need to love our art and then others will get to like it and they'll like it too. It sounds yeah. really simple, but it truly is a domino effect of how um, these loves and passions start. Yeah. Um, for you, I mean, thinking about art as a love and, and a passion that started somewhere, I wonder yeah. if you can pinpoint a time when you were like, Okay, I'm I'm you know, I'm starting to collect some things that I really love. Oh, I, I got a real collection going here. Like, do you remember when you realized that or was that something that you had on your mind all along? Like, I, I'm going to start here and I'm about to be a, an immense collector. Well, I think I had a collection going for quite a while. Then I met my husband, who um, was an art aficionado, but for African traditional art. And he always wanted a museum. I think like the third day after I met him, he's like, boy, if I could just get a museum. And one of the things was he was procuring work for museums, uh, traditional African art. And then when he finally, when we sat down and talked about it, I said, you know, you can't afford to do it. Um, <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, we can't afford the testing to see that these are original pieces mm. that just been buried for a few days and the color changes we can't afford that but what we can afford is contemporary art it's it's was the 90s things mm. were just beginning to you know art was sort of moving around a little bit and um so that's how we started and we opened up our museum with what i would say were 34 lovely pieces can you imagine but it was opened in dakar senegal 
it was in the end a really wonderful wonderful uh, gem of a museum mm. of contemporary art that he he gifted to the state mm-hmm. after his passing then I looked around at my art in America mm-hmm. uh, that I said oh my goodness I've, I've got a lot of stuff I am a collector and people would call me and say this is happening Cece <laughs> you know you know when when your name is in the wind <laughs> Do you think Cece would like my work? Do you think, you know, when that wow. stuff happened, then you realize, I believe I'm a collector. All right. Yeah. And that was, it's got to be like 25 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Maybe 30. Yeah. A lot of the work, going back to the installation, a lot of the work is early work from now seasoned and renowned artists. I mean, you talked about that with Firelay uh, Baez. And yes. also, I mean, Kahende Wiley, you have a really yes. super early, almost unrecognizable piece yes. <laughs> in there um, by Kahende and uh, Jeffrey Holder as well, who um, has passed away now. Um, yeah. I wonder what is it about the work of folks just getting started that really interests you? Well, I think that's how most of us start, because that's the only way we can. Mm-hmm. I don't th- I mean, a lot of people obviously are uh are born with um, the kind of extra funds to also add art to their collection and also coming to the realization that that's something that should be part of your life is a big thing as Ah. well because you can be I mean you can be 20 and look at a piece that's a thousand dollars and look at a piece that's fifteen thousand dollars and say I want the fifteen thousand dollars can I pay for it but you know a hundred dollars a month for the rest of my life. If <laughs> you're that passionate about it, you, you can do that. Wow. I was in a wonderful position because I lived amongst artists. Mm. And so there was no way that I would not see these people. See the, um, I remember seeing the work of Joe Anrheim, uh, uh, a white American artist who beautiful work. And every, you know, few months we'd swing by his studio and kind of go, oh, now look what he's done. And so now you are even unconsciously acquiring a love and a passion for this kind of work. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the start. Um, mm. My least favorite thing is a print because the the print factor these days has become so uh, turned that you think, ah, I've got a print, it's one out of 50. And it's, you know, 12 by 10. And then a year later, you'll see the same artist. Oh, this is one out of 50, but it's 15 by six. You know, uh... six. And, but, but that makes it individually different, which I find a little frustrating. Mm. Uh, I would go for a print when I've got absolutely no choice. Okay. Or I would say that that print... I have it because the meaning of the painting gave me this leap into discovering like the next thing. Mm, Yeah. So it's, it's more, it's the story of it more. It's the story of it. And that's what I do now as a collector. I think, I think the story of your collection now becomes the next thing, you know, and I look at it and I go, oh, there are holes missing. I'm from Guyana. Who are my Guyanese artists? Mm. I love, um, landscapes I love flowers I love gardens 
why are there no landscape paintings in your collection? Mm. So each time there's okay. something that fills the gap. And so I'm a I'm a more conscious uh, acquirer of things mm-hmm. than I was before when I would just walk up to a painting. Oh, yes. Yeah. Got to be on my wall. And, and I, I don't have that as much anymore. Sometimes things just strike you though. You know, you, you got to get it. Okay. But yeah. That makes yes. sense. Yes, so yes. last question. Um, mm-hmm. If the art that you come across, the art that you surround yourself with could make a point or tell a story. Um, like if I were to enter into your space where you keep everything sure. and take it all in, what would the moral of the story be that you would hope or think that people would gather? Oh, tougher question than I thought because it's the moral <laughs> of the story. It's not like what they think she is. Um, uh, I, I, I'm going to sort of edge my way into it sideways by saying, right. first of all, without a doubt, um, one would know that I was a woman from the diaspora, that I came from somewhere else, that I was not specifically American because the choices are not just African in the sense of if I were like a African-American just into African art. Mm-hmm. Um, you would come in and you would see art that definitely represents women, that definitely represents Africa and the Caribbean and the United States, and that I have a passion for that. I also like um, things like very pretty teacups. I mean, you know, so. <laughs> so we would see some of those in there too. Okay, got you. <laughs> a, a mix of things. Yes. But I think the first thing you would think of is she has uh, an inclusivity factor in her life um, that she has a huge sense of who she is and therefore can be inclusive of others. And I think that probably when people come into the room after they say, oh, it's like a museum, <laughs> which I don't necessarily feel great about, but, um, but, you know, because you have mothers going to their kids, don't you touch anything in this house. You know, <laughs> you don't want them to do that. You want them to kind of go, Oh, me, what's that? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I still have that that Jeffrey Holder uh, mystique where all are welcome. Mm. Let's talk about the world. Let's just, you know, try to uh, enjoy each other's company. So that I think is still there. Wow. It sounds like there's a, a curiosity in there, too, that you really value. Yes. And to remain curious for the as long as you can, I think is probably one of the most important things to remain curious and also to appreciate where you came from. Um, It's never going to be as glamorous and fabulous as one would imagine. And when I say that, it's because your parents shelter you from so much. But when you hear their stories, you go, huh? And when you hear their grand, your grandparents' stories, you've got to be kidding. Yeah, But these are amazing survivors from places that you cannot imagine, that we don't even know, that they didn't know, but they survived where they landed. I, I appreciate that so much about um, the ancestral part of, of the collection, that there is an attachment mm. somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has been a conversation with the talented, prolific, and Q 
curious CCH Pounder. CCH, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Erin. It was lovely talking with you and getting questions that are different. It's really <laughs> lovely. Yeah, thank you. You can check out Diaspora Stories selections from the CCH Pounder Collection now through July 16th at the DuSable Black History Museum and Education Center in Washington Park. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull for producing the rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Dave Miska engineered today's episode and our theme music is by Louis Weeks. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.